Alhamdulillah Hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fih Kama yuhibbu rabbuna wa yarda Ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh Al-Nasihul Amin Allahumma salli ala nabiyina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Wa man tamasaka bisunnatihi ila yawmiddin Thumma amma ba'd Ya ibadullah Qala fudilat al-shaykh Shia'ab al-Sanam Burjis rahimahullahu ta'ala Ibadullah لقد أمر الله سبحانه وتعالى عباده بالصلوات الخمس. He says, O servants of Allah, Allah سبحانه وتعالى He has commanded His slaves to pray the five prayers. Allah سبحانه وتعالى He has commanded His slaves to pray the five prayers. وأمرهم بالمحافظة عليه عليها and He has commanded them that they have to be diligent over them and they have to safeguard them. That they have to safeguard their prayers. And whoever has preserved his prayers, he has safeguarded his prayers, then he would have safeguarded his deen. He would have safeguarded his religion. And whoever has uh, has been neglectful of them, whoever has neglected them and he has lost them, then verily you will find that he will be as relates to other than that from the greatest of the losers. Whoever is not preserving his prayers, then you will find that the rest of his deeds, they will fall by the wayside. He won't be one who preserves the rights of his parents. He won't be one who preserves the rights of the neighbor. He won't be one who preserves the rights of the poor by spending upon them and giving charity and paying zakat, so on and so forth. For the one who he loses out and he does not preserve his salah, then you will find that when it comes to other than that, then he will be from the most neglectful and negligent of the people. For, for in, and that verily the preserving of the prayer, then verily that is only done by preserving its conditions and its pillars and its obligated factors and obligated matters. وَإِتْسِيَانَ بِذَلِكَ عَلَى وَجْهِ الْمَأْثُورِ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And he has to bring that and be diligent and perform and perform that in the most excellent manner as it has come narrated on the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم يَنْبَغِي لِلْمُسْلِمْ أَنْ يَتَعَلَّمَ شُرُوطُ الصَّلَاةِ it is obligatory upon the Muslim that he learns what are the prerequisites of the prayer. What are the shurut, what are the conditions, the prerequisites of the prayer. Every Muslim has to learn that. And every Muslim has to learn what are the pillars of the prayer. And every Muslim has to learn what are the obligatory matters of the prayer. لِيَكُونَ تَعَلُّمُهُ ذَلِكَ عَوْنًا لَهُ عَلَى حِظُّ صَلَاتِهِ 
مِنَ الْخَطَأْ وَالْنُقْصَانِ وَالْبُطْلَانِ So that his learning of that, it will be that which will aid him on the preserving of his prayer from mistakes, from deficiencies, and from them being rendered null and void. وَأَمَّا شُرُوطُ الصَّلَاةِ as regards to the prerequisites, as regards to the conditions of the prayer, then they are nine. The first of them, Al-Islam. is Al-Islam. And the opposite of it is disbelief. The opposite of it is disbelief. So in order for the prayer to be accepted, then it has to come from one who is a Muslim. والكافر لا يقبل منه عمل and the kafir there is no good deed that is accepted from the kafir there is no good deed that is accepted from the kafir let this be an example let this be a reminder to those who go beyond the bounds and they go too far and they go beyond the boundaries when it comes to calling the kuffar to Islam and they invite them to come and pray in the ranks of the Muslims as if this is a form of da'wah, thinking that this will be something that will be beneficial for this particular kafir. No one understand that it is not permissible to enter a kafir into the lines and the ranks of the Muslims. It's not permissible. And by him doing that and praying that prayer, it will not benefit him. So spend your time and spend your energy in calling them to la ilaha illallah. Spend your time and spend your energy in calling them to the worship of Allah and Allah Ta'ala alone is that so that they may enter into al-Islam. Because if they do not enter into Al-Islam, no matter what they do from good deeds, no matter what they do from, 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 from outstanding and good moral character, and so on and so forth behavior, they will not be accepted from them. قال الله سبحانه وتعالى ما كان للمشركين ما كان للمشركين أن يعمروا مساجد الله شاهدين على أنفسهم بالكفر أولئك حبطت أعمالهم Allah Ta'ala He says, it is not for the polytheists to maintain the houses of Allah. It is not for the polytheists to maintain the masajid of Allah. Those polytheists who they testify and they bear witness upon themselves to their disbelief. Allah Ta'ala He says, These ones, their actions will be rendered null and void. Their actions will be rendered null and void. And inside of the fire they shall abide forever. وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى And Allah Ta'ala He says, وَقَدِنَّا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمِلٍ فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا Allah Ta'ala He says, and we, have, and we have went to that which they have done from actions, meaning that which the disbelievers have done from good, righteous, good deeds. We have went to what they, the disbelievers, had done from good deeds, and we made it like scattered dust. We made it like scattered dust particles. Does not benefit them. So a person, he has to be a Muslim. This is the first condition. Al-Thani Al-Aqal. The second one is Al-Aqal. They have to be of sound mind and intellect. And the opposite of it is insanity, one who is crazy. The one who 
mentally, he is mentally incapable, the one who is insane or the one who suffers from mental retardation, then the pin is lifted from them. The pin is lifted from them. Until they gain their intellect, until their intellect comes to them and is rectified. The hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-qalam an thalathin. From the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu where he said that the pin has been lifted from three. And na'im hatta yastayqid, from the one who is sleeping until he awakes. Wal majnoon hatta yufiq, from the one who is mentally insane until he regains his sanity and from the small child until they reach the age of puberty then the pin is lifted from them which brings us to the third condition from the conditions of the salah discernment an individual has to reach the age of discernment the opposite of tamiz is 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 being small, being very very young in age, being very very young in age. and the 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 head or how would you say the age in which the smallness ends or the age in which that ends is at seven is at seven once the child reaches the age of seven seven then they are ordered to pray the pray the prayer this is very important to know and to understand so we don't go overboard it is not from hikmah it is not from wisdom to wake up the three-year-old child and to force them to pray Fajr and to force them to pray all of their prayers, the child that is three, the child that is four, and so on and so forth. If they want to pray with you, Ahlan wa Sahlan, let them. But you should not as a parent be hard upon them and force them into doing this at such an early young age because the Sharia, it is not place that upon them as children to be diligent on their five prayers at this age. But rather once they reach the age of seven, then at this point they should be taught how to pray. They should be taught about the ahkam of the salah. They should be taught about the likes of what we're discussing today, about the uh, conditions of the prayer and the arkan of the prayer and the wajibat of the prayer and so on and so forth and how to pray and the supplications of the prayer and so on and so forth. All of this is to start at the age of seven. To start at the age of seven and if a child is shafter, if a child is outstanding and so on and so forth then they learn something from this before that, that's no problem with that. But at the age of seven then it should become a priority to make sure the parents are teaching their children how to pray. Teaching their children how to pray. The Quran Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and this is according to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Muru abnaakum the salat the seven. Command your children to pray at the age of seven. Wadribohum alaiha le ashr, and beat them about it when they turn ten. Spank them for not praying at the age of ten, which is another important indication, as the early man they point out from this hadith. Which means that at the age of seven, so when they are seven, when they are eight, when they are nine and the like, if they happen to miss a prayer here and there, these small children, they do not reprimand them, do not spank them for missing the prayer at this age. But once they turn ten, then at this point, then they have to pray 
all their prayers five times every day and if they do not then you are to spank them for that and separate their beds and separate their beds so at this age then their, their beds should be separated and they should not be sleeping in the same beds the fourth الحدث, is the removal of any type of impurities the removal of any type of impurities which behooves us to learn and to place attention on those uh, on on the babul fiqh on the chapter of fiqh which deals with what which deals with the impurities so that we know what are the impurities and so on and so forth so we know what needs to be removed but those impurities then they have to be removed for example urine feces so on and so forth these things have to be uh, removed they have to be removed the shaykh the shaykh rahimullah ta'ala he says afwan Removal of the hadith to remove the statement of being outside of wudu. Naam, not izala to najis or najasa, but to remove the state of being outside of wudu. So you have to remove the hadith. Amma bil wudu, in kan al hadith asgar, then you remove it by the wudu. If the uh, state of being outside the wudu is the small state, so for like going to the bathroom, for like uh, passing wind, uh, sleeping and so on and so forth, then a person he has to make the wudu so that he comes back inside of the state of purity. And by making a ghusl, if, he is, if it is a major state of impurity, like for those married couples who have relations, then after which they have to make a ghusl before they pray again. Allah says, he says what means, oh you who believe, when you stand up for the prayer, then wash your faces and wash your hands until the elbows and wipe over your heads and the feet until the ankles are to the end of the ayah. When hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that Allah does not accept the prayer of the one who does not have tuhur, who is not in a state of tahara, he does not have wudu. So we have to make uh, the wudu, we have to be in a state of wudu in order for the salat to be accepted. And the fifth condition is that we have to remove the impurities. Huh? And this is what I came to mind previously. We have to remove the impurities from our clothes, from the place that we're praying in, and from our person. Naam, the impurities as we mentioned, like the impurities of feces, the impurities of urine, so on and so forth. Then these things have to be removed 
either from our person or from our clothes. If they are upon our clothes, they must be washed away or from the place that we are praying in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, And your clothes, then purify them. In this ayah, it is general. In every purification. Whether it is in meaning, like to purify oneself from kufr and from shirk and so on and so forth, or whether it is literally like to purify one's body or to purify one's clothes or to purify the place in which one is praying from filthy and dirty things. And sixthly, then it is satr al that we have to cover the awra. We have to cover the private parts. And the scholars, they are in consensus of the invalidness and uh, of the one who prays naked or the one who prays without his awra being covered, that his prayer does not count. For the one who prays in a state of newness or the one who prays and his awrah is not covered, and he has the ability to cover his private parts, he has the ability to cover his awrah. And what is the awrah for the man? Min that it is from his navel to his knee. This is the aura for the man. and for the woman, al for Then all of her is the aura. Siwa wa All of her is the aura except for her face inside of the prayer. And the ulama they say also her hands. So inside of the prayer, then she is allowed to show her face and to show her hands. But the rest of her body, from her hair high to her feet, then it must be covered. Allah He says, Ya Bani Adam, masjid. Oh children of Adam, then take your adornments to every masjid. Take your adornments, adorn yourselves in every masjid. And the ma'na masjid here, meaning in every prayer, then you have to cover your awrah with those clothes in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He has provided us with. And it has been connected and it's been confirmed in the hadith. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said that Allah does not accept the prayer of a woman who menstruates except that she has on a khimar. And the one who menstruates here, a the woman who is of puberty, the woman who has reached the age of puberty, that she has to have on her khimar. وقالت أم سلمة رضي الله تعالى عنها وأرضاها للرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم تصلي إحدانا في ضرع وخمار وليس عليها إزار قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا بأس بذلك إذا كان سابقا يغطي قدميها أو ماذا أم سلمة she said to the Prophet وسلم, that one of us, meaning one of us women, we will pray and she doesn't have on anything except for her house garment, her house dress and a khimar, but she does not have with it an izar. 
She has on her house dress and she has a khimar, but she does not have the underskirt that comes from the waist down. She has on the dress and the khimar. To which the Prophet he said, then there is no problem with that as long as that dress, it covers her feet. There is no problem with that as long as that dress, it covers her feet. So the ulama, they mention that as long as a woman's foot is covered by her dress, it is long enough and it covers her feet completely, then she does not necessarily have to wear socks when she's praying inside of her house. As long as her dress covers her, Completely, her feet completely, then she does not necessarily have to have on socks when she prays inside of her house. So the private parts they have to be covered They have to be covered with that which it hides the color of the skin It can't be something that is sheer to which you can see the skin underneath it Or the color of the skin underneath it Because then that won't meet the criterion for that which covers the body فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتُرْ لَوْنَ الْبَشَرَةِ وَوَصَفَهَا فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُعْتَدُّ بِهِ عِنْدَ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ If it does not cover up the color of the skin, nor does it... nor is it or nor is it accurate in not describing, not showing that which is under it. So it can't be sheer and it can't be tight. If it is tight and it describes that which is under it, then there's no consideration with the people of knowledge as it relates to this. So the likes of these clothes, then they are not permissible to pray therein. And this is like the see-through thalbs and the see-through dresses of the women, then one cannot pray in the likes of this. And likewise, that which is tight, skin tight, one cannot pray in the likes of these things either. And it is incumbent upon the man that the man, he must put something on his shoulders in the prayer. So it's not permissible to pray in a tank top, but you have to have something upon the shoulders. They're calling Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Hadith Abu Huraira, as it comes in the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Hadith Abu Huraira, لا يصلين أحدكم في ثوب واحد وليس على عاتقه منه الشيء that none of you is to pray inside of one thawb that doesn't have and it doesn't cover his shoulders whatsoever that the shoulders they must be covered when he prays or the prayer it will not count these are something from the conditions of the salah هذا أقول قولي هذا واستغفر لي ولكم فاستغفروا فإنه هو الغفور الرحيم بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وبعد وشرط وشرط السابع and the seventh condition من شروط الصلاة from the conditions of the prayer is تقبال القبلة we have to face the قبلة قال الله عز وجل الله عز وجل says فولي وجهك شطر المشي للحرام وحيثما كنتم فولوا وجوهكم شطرة Allah تعالى he says and turn your face to the Kaaba turn your face to the Masjid al-Haram meaning the Kaaba and wherever you may be then turn your face in that direction wherever you may be then turn your face in that direction the people as relates to 
the facing the qibla, then they are two types. The one who is close to the Kaaba, huh? the one who can see the Kaaba, he's near to the Kaaba, then he has to face the Kaaba. Then you have the one who is far from the Kaaba, he cannot see the Kaaba, he's not inside of Mecca, nor is he near to Mecca. Then for this one, he must face the direction of the Kaaba. He must face the direction of the Kaaba. Naam. And the Prophet he said, The Prophet he said, That which is between the east and the west, that is the Qibla. That which is between the east and the west, and it is the Qibla. And commenting upon this hadith, he said, and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the Prophet Sallallahu said to the people of Medina that that which is between the east and the west and it is the Qibla and this is because Medina is north of Mecca so when you are north of Mecca then that which is between the east and that which is between the west then it is the Qibla because you are north of Mecca if you are to the east or you are, if you are to the north of Mecca likewise if you are to the south of Mecca then that which is the Qibla for you will be that which is between the east and the west so if with this we understand that if you were to be slightly off, slightly off from the direction of the Qibla, a little bit this way, a little bit that way, but you did not go beyond the general direction of the Qibla, then that will not harm you. Because the general direction that it is broad, it is wide. And this is from the easiness in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He has placed upon the Muslims. So if you're a little bit off, then it is okay. And if you are in a land that is to the east of Mecca, then we say, If you are to the east of Mecca, then for you, that which is between the north and the south is the Qibla. That which is between the north and the south is the Qibla. Why? Because you are to the east. So if you are to the east of Mecca, naam, and for example, Mecca is in this direction, then that which is between the what? The north and the south for you is what? Is the Qibla. And if likewise, if you are to the west of Mecca, then that which is between the north and the south is the Qibla. So for example, if we say that Mecca was in this direction, then that which is between what? The north and the south is the Qibla. And this is from the ease in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has placed upon us. So it is incumbent that we face the Qibla as much as we possibly can. <coughs> And we try to ascertain what is the direction of the Qibla to the best of our ability. And if we have striven and we strive, then we try hard to find what is the direction of the Qibla by asking the people of that land or asking the people who, who, who know in which direction, yeah, the directions and so on and so forth and how to ascertain the directions. Or we tried our best by looking at the, uh, the celestial bodies, the stars, to see what direction that we are in uh, and the like. And we prayed upon that only to find out after we have prayed that we were mistaken and we actually were not facing the right direction. Then that salah is not to be repeated because you tried your hardest to find the qibla. 
And the Shaykh, he mentioned that this was the, that which the Prophet ﷺ, he taught to the Sahaba. This is what the Prophet ﷺ, he taught to the Sahaba. And likewise, the same goes for facing the Qibla. If you are upon the ocean or you are in the air upon the plain, then you strive your best to find the direction of the Qibla and you pray in that direction. And there are individuals who, they don't, they, they, it is removed from them the obligation of having to find out where the Qibla is. And the likes of this are for the individual who he is shackled, he is in prison and the like, and he cannot move. He's shackled, he's in prison or he's in a situation where he physically cannot move. Then he will pray in whatever direction he's praying and he is not have is not upon him to try to find the direction of the qibla because it's upon everyone to fear Allah to the best of their ability. Secondly, is the one who is in a state of extreme fear, like those who are fighting in a war and so on and so forth. Then in this situation, if you're in a state of extreme fear, then it is not upon you to face the qibla because of being in a state of extreme fear. Thirdly, the one who is praying a violent prayer, a one who is praying a voluntary prayer huh? when he is traveling and the like then it is okay for him not to face the Qibla so for example if a one who is upon a riding animal or he is in a car or he is in a train or he is in a plane or he is on a boat or whatever form of, of uh, transportation he is upon and he's praying a voluntary prayer then it is not wajib upon him to face the direction of the Qibla the next condition from the conditions for the acceptance of the salah is that we have to pray upon its time. We have to pray our prayers upon their proper times. So the first walk, the first time for dhuhr is when the sun has passed its zenith. This is when the uh, time for dhuhr it comes in, and the last time for the time of dhuhr, then this is when the shadow of everything becomes uh, the same in size. When the shadow of everything becomes the same in size, then the, then the time for dhuhr, then it has elapsed, and now enters the time of asr, as it comes in the hadith, the hadith of Ibn Abbas, the time for Asr, the time for Asr is the time where the shade or the shadow where everything becomes its like all the way until it becomes double its size. Then this is the time of Asr as it comes in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas And the time for Maghrib, then this is the time where the sun it has set, the time where the sun it has set all the way until the sun is totally gone and the Shafiq al-Ahmar is gone until the redness of the sky or the redness on the horizon is completely gone and it completely overtaken by black then that two times and that is the between those two times is the time of Maghrib and the time of Isha is when the sun is, is totally gone totally out the sky where Shafiq al-Ahmar is gone and the redness upon the horizon is totally gone then this is the time when the Isha begins again this stresses the point this stresses us studying these abawab al-fiqiyya these chapters of fiqh which mention these uh, these things so we can know in detail uh, exactly the times of the prayer and so on and so forth so that we may safeguard and protect our prayers 
وَشَطُنْ تَاسِعٌ And the the knife and the final condition for the acceptance of the prayer that it is a niyyah that it is the intention وَمُحَلُّهَا الْقَلْبِ And the place of the intention is inside of your heart is inside of your heart وَتَلَفُّضْ بِهَا بِدْعَةٌ And to articulate it it is bid'ah So to come to the prayer for example to say I'm going to pray four raka'at of Salatul Dhuhr And you say this with your tongue This is bid'ah The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi never said this He never did it like this Nor did the Sahaba Nor did the Tabi'i Nor the Atba Tabi'i Nor any of the Imam the Imams of the Deen Ever have done this This is bid'ah The mahal is inside of the qalb It's inside of your chest It's inside of your chest There's no need for you to speak it Who are you speaking it for? Allah Ta'ala knows what's in your chest So what are you saying it for? The ulama they mentioned, a person contemplating if he has wudu, doesn't have wudu, get up to make wudu, and so on and so forth. All of this is what? This is an expression, an illustration of his intention to, to pray. To pray. So this is sufficient, this suffices you. What dalil? Qawl al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, innama al-a'malu bin-niyat. And the dalil is a statement of the Prophet sallallahu that verily actions are only but by their intentions. So a person has to have the niyyah, he has to have the intention to pray the prayer. And without the likes of these things, then the salah, it won't count. In general, if any of these aforementioned nine conditions are missing, if they are not present, na'am, then the prayer, it will not count. The prayer, it will not count. So it is incumbent for us who are concerned about safeguarding our prayers that we learn exactly what are the conditions of the prayer so that our prayers may be accepted. Likewise, that we learn what are the arukam, what are the pillars of the prayer, so that our prayers can be accepted, and that we learn what are the wajibat of the salah, so that we may safeguard and preserve and protect our prayers, and pray as we have been commanded to pray. هذا يا عباد فاقيم الصلاة.